please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be looking at biblical holiness this morning through 1 Peter chapter 1, particularly verses 14 through 16. The great English Puritan William Gurnall in the mid-1600s when speaking of the holiness of God and his people once said this, quote, The soul is the face on which God's image is stamped. Holiness is the beauty of of this face. Let me say that again. The soul is the face on which God's image is stamped. And holiness is the beauty of this face. Beloved brothers and sisters, Gurnall was right. And you ought to be concerned about your holiness. For those who belong to God, their soul has been stamped with God's image. Holiness. Has your soul been stamped with that very image? Is your soul holy? We ought to be concerned with our holiness. First Peter 1, starting in verse 14, Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were, which were yours in your ignorance, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's once more go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are completely and utterly hopeless, helpless without you. As we look to your word, Lord, I earnestly ask that you would use me as a mouthpiece for your text, that you would move me out of the way and magnify Christ in the hearts of everyone that is here of everyone that is watching online. Let the words I say be your words, Father. May you sanctify Christ in our hearts this morning for our good and your glory. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Peter, in the first book of Peter, is writing to believers, particularly Hellenized Jews, Jews that had come to Christ, and because of that, they were therefore ostracized and put out. Persecution 
during this time was at an all-time high under Emperor Nero, who killed and persecuted Christians on a mass level, doing unspeakable things to them. But Peter's greatest concern for these believers, these Hellenized Jews that he is writing to, is not to get them out of suffering, but how to live godly lives amidst the suffering. Peter's concern is for their holiness. But what is holiness? What does that look like? Let's let the scripture unfold that for us. Look at verse 14. Peter says, as obedient children. So he's writing to believers. This is who we are now. Christ has saved us. He has redeemed us. So as obedient children. It's who we are. Presently, Peter says, we are children of obedience. could also be translated that way. We are children who obey. Obey what? Who are we obedient to? God. To his word. That is what characterizes us now. Is this what characterizes you? Are you aware that obedience is what should mark your life, is what your life should look like. We are to be obedient children if God has indeed saved you. We are children of God now. There are only two kinds of people, children of God or children of the devil. First John 3, he said it is clear to see who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. You are either a child of disobedience, a child of wrath, like Ephesians 2.2 says, or you are a child of obedience. Where obedience is accepting God's word and following it and obeying it, disobedience is hating, rejecting God and his word. But that no longer characterizes our lives because we are children of obedience. We are the father's children. God is our father. But how is that possible? It's possible because in God's plan of redemption, he chose and predetermined some out of the kind intention of his will to save and that's what Peter opens up 1 Peter with. Look at 1 Peter 1. He says, To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according, verse 2, to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of His Spirit. He chose us. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. He did the causing. You're his child because he chose you before the foundation of the world, according to his foreknowledge. Not that he looked down the corridor of time and saw that you would choose him. It's not what God did. 
He chose you out of the kind intention of His will. By the sanctifying work of His Spirit to obey Christ, He caused you to be born again. Ephesians 1.5 tells us that He adopted us. Whereas children, not only because He foreordained it because he predestined us, but because he adopted us out of the kind intention of his will. We are his children because he has deemed it so. 1 John 3, 1, the Apostle John writes, See what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It is nothing you or I have done. It is all God. From beginning through the middle until the end, it is God's grace. It is his sovereignty. So that's what Peter addresses us as, as obedient children. We're no longer like the world, but as obedient children. He says, verse 14, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Do not be conformed to what? He tells us the former sins, the former lusts, every worldly and ungodly thing we were enslaved to before Christ saved us. He says, do not be conformed to that. This is who we formerly were. But as Second Corinthians, as Paul says in Second Corinthians, we've been washed. Such were some of you, but we've been washed. That means it no longer characterizes our life. We used to be enslaved to various lusts and lusts and passions and desires, but it is not that way anymore. That phrase he uses there, do not be conformed. It comes from a very rare Greek compound. It's a compound phrase. It's a Greek phrase, and it's only used twice in the New Testament, but it is, but it is in the middle voice. And what it means in the middle voice is this. It conveys an outward change, an outward pattern change. From an inward change. Does that make sense? Do not be conformed. The other place this is used is in Romans 12 2, where Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What Paul, excuse me, what Peter is talking about here is an outward pattern. From an inward change. What Peter is talking about here in verse 14 is heart transformation, not behavior modification. That's what it means in the middle voice. Our outward pattern has changed because of an inward change. And that inward change has happened because we are children of obedience, because God has made us that way. He cannot be talking about behavior modification because behavior modification can only go so far before the flesh takes over. The flesh will do what the flesh will do. 
Sinners will only do what sinners can do, and that is sin. All sin is a heart issue. So yes, our behavior is different, but it is not because we modify it, but it is because the Lord has given us a new heart, because He has transformed you. Since we are children of God, children of obedience, Peter tells us to not be conformed, shaped, molded by our former sins, lusts. Don't do it. You've been changed from the inside, so let the outward pattern of your life show it. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. What does he mean by that? Former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. You sinned out of your evil desires. That's what characterizes the world. But not for God's children. Not for those whom He has saved. He's saved us, given us new desires. He's made us willing and able to obey Him. That's what Peter says in 1 verse 2. Sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. That is what we do now. And without even mentioning the word holiness, Peter here defines holiness by showing us what holiness is not. Holiness is not being conformed to what you once were. Worldly, ungodly, sinful. If that is what characterizes your life, beloved, if you are being conformed to this world, continually giving in to your former lusts you are unholy your life shows one that is marked by disobedience but that is not who you are if indeed Christ has saved you we are children of obedience so that's what holiness is holiness therefore is obedience to God and his word we are children of obedience. By being obedient, we are being set apart from what we were continually, more and more, day by day, set apart to God. That is holiness. Holiness and obedience are inextricably linked. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Verse 15, look with me. Peter says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. So Peter tells us, gives us the imperative what not to do. Do not be conformed to what you once were, but... Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. We, as children of obedience, are to be set apart. All our behavior is supposed to be holy, not morally corrupt like the world. Not just the behavior that everyone else can see, 
but your behavior when nobody is watching. Not just what you do, but what you think in your mind and in your heart. You are to be set apart and holy in every part of you. Everything that you are, you are to be holy. You are to be set apart. And I can only imagine what the Jews are thinking here as Peter is writing this to them because Peter isn't saying you must be a little holy. He doesn't say, you know, as long as you're holier than your neighbor, as long as you're holier than the world, then you're good. That's not what he is saying. What Peter is saying is that you must be holy like God but like the Holy One who called you. The standard for our holiness is God. But like, just as the Holy One, you yourselves also must be holy. You are to be holy as God is holy. That's the standard. Nothing less, but just as holy as God is. Dr. Steve Lawson, writing about the holiness of God, says this, Everything about God is absolutely holy. And this one attribute uniquely defines his other attributes. His love is a holy love. His justice is a holy Justice and his mercy is a holy mercy. Holiness gives shape to every other divine attribute. Everything about God is marked by his absolute holiness. In reality, his holiness is wholly comprehensive of all that God is. God is holy. That statement by Steve Lawson could not be more true. God is not holy because he is required to be or because he wants to be. God is holy, set apart, because that is who he is in his very nature. Holy, set apart from every sinful, wicked thing that does not conform to his perfect standard. God cannot not be set apart. If God is not completely holy and set apart in every way from anything that does not conform to his perfect standard, then he can't be God. Even worse, he's like humanity. He's like us, corrupt. However, that is not the case because God is completely and in and of himself holy, totally set apart from sin from every evil and wicked thing. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. Isaiah is given a vision. And he's looking into heaven. And he sees the seraphim and the angels singing. And what, what, are, they, what are they singing and saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We just sang about it this morning. The holiness of God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8. That is the song the angels are singing continually. The holiness of God. Holy, 
holy, holy. The three times that word is repeated is the strongest of emphases that could be placed. God is holy. He is so set apart. He is so holy that if we do not conform to his perfect standard, we are doomed. But that is the standard. And that is what Peter says we are to be like, but like the Holy One who called you. Be yourselves holy in all your behavior. Beloved, that is our responsibility. We are to be just as set apart from sin, from evil, from wickedness as God is. God is the standard. And we must conform to him. And the vehicle that drives us to holiness is obedience. We are children of obedience. Not being conformed to what we used to be, but in everything we do in church, outside of church, in the workplace, when no one is looking around in your mind and in your heart, being set apart, continually being made holy, just like the Holy One who called you. So ask yourself, how, how holy were you in 2022? How holy were you last week? How holy were you this morning before coming to church? God takes the holiness of his people seriously. That's why we must take this seriously. Because God does. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says that we ought to pursue this holiness, this sanctification, as the writer says, without which no one, no one will see the Lord. Peter doesn't stop there, however. Look on in verse 16. Because... It is written. He gives us the imperative as obedient children. Do not be conformed. But like the Holy One who called you in all your behavior. Be holy. Verse 16. Because it is written. Remember Peter here is writing particularly to Hellenized Jews. So Peter appeals to them by the word. What they know, the word of God, the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus, a book that is all about the holiness of God and the holiness he requires for his people. Peter gives the imperative to be holy with God as the standard. Then in verse 16 says, because it is written, we are to be this way, we are to do this, do not be conformed to what you once were, but be holy in everything, because it is written. Because God has said so. Because the words I'm about to quote are Yahweh's, not my own. You shall be holy, for I am holy. He quotes Leviticus. And it's important that we 
understand even more the context of what these Jews, what these believers are hearing. So turn in your Bible to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 11. The 27 chapters that make up Leviticus are nothing short of humbling. Chapters 1 through 7, God gives Moses the laws for sacrifice, multiple different sacrifices for multiple different sins. Chapters 8 through 10, God gives Moses the orders and the institution of priests, what they are to do with the sacrifices. Verses 11, or excuse me, chapters 11 through 16, God gives Moses the laws for uncleanliness. Chapters 17 through 27 are all the rules and guidelines for holiness. 27 chapters, many laws, many offerings, many sacrifices, many rules and regulations that God gave his people. So why all the laws? Why? At this point, Christ had not come yet. The people, God's people needed a way to atone for their sins. They needed a way to be clean before a holy and righteous God. And praise God that what he requires, he provides. And so he has done that with Leviticus. All 27 chapters give us, gave God's people what they needed to do in order to be clean and to commune with God. Why? Because God accepts nothing less than himself. They had to be holy. They had to be set apart. And God institutes these sacrifices and offerings for his people so that they could commune with him. God takes his holiness and the holiness of his people seriously. So serious that in Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 7, we find the case of Nahab and Abihu after offering strange fire to the Lord. We don't know exactly what they did, but what is conveyed to us is that they approached God in an unholy way. And God sent down fire and consumed them, taking their lives. So, beloved, I tell you again, you ought to take your holiness seriously. Peter, however, doesn't quote to these believers he's writing to how to do a sacrifice or how to perform an offering. Peter is getting at something deeper here. His quotation comes from three different places in Leviticus. The first is in chapter 11. Look at verse 43. All of chapter 11 is giving rules and regulations for sacrifice. In verse 43, God says, Do not render yourselves detestable through any of the swarming things that swarm. You shall not make yourselves unclean with them, 
so that you become unclean. Verse 44, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. Verse 45, for I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Flip over to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19, starting in verse 1, again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 2, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Again, we find this again in chapter 20, one chapter over, if you'll look there with me. Chapter 20, verse 7, God says, You shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. It is God who makes us holy. Although we are required to keep the statutes and practice them, Leviticus 28, God says, I am the one who sanctifies you. Chapter 20, verse 26, Thus you are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. Chapter 21 of Leviticus, verse 6, They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. For they present the offerings by fire to the Lord, the food of their God. So they shall be holy. Verse 8, you shall consecrate him therefore, for he offers the food of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I the Lord who sanctifies you am holy. Verse 15, for I the Lord sanctifies you. Him. Verse 23, only he shall not go into the veil or, cor- or come near the altar because he has a defect so that he will not profane my sanctuaries for I am the Lord who sanctifies him. So going back to verse Peter. Verses 14 through 15, we see our responsibility as believers, we are to not be, to be conformed to what we once were, but be obedient as obedient children. Do what God commands. Be holy. But in verse 16, we see God's sovereignty in that God is the one who makes us like him. He is the one who makes us holy. The sacrifices and the offerings that they had to do in Leviticus did not make them holy. God did. 
The sacrifices and offerings were in part just to show how holy and set apart God is and how set apart and holy we are not. Leviticus shows us the holiness and perfection of God, which is what we need to be ordered in order to be in a right standing with Him. So going back to the question I asked at the beginning of the sermon, how holy were you in 2022? Maybe you are thinking, I tried, but I didn't measure up to God's standard. My response is, beloved, you, you never will. I never will. Perhaps you haven't measured up because you've spent too much trying to be holy by your own merits. Beloved, my response is, your merits will never get you there. God says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It is these words that Peter looks back on and sees that it is not his self or his efforts that make him holy, but on God who is gracious and merciful. All the sacrifices and all the offerings in Leviticus point to the final and the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ the righteous, whose holiness is more than abundantly enough for his own to make them acceptable to God. It has been famously said by R.C. Sproul and many others that we need an alien righteousness. Let me add to that. Beloved, you also need an alien holiness. A holiness that is not of your own, but that is from God, which comes only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ and His holiness alone that makes us holy. You cannot make yourself holy. Only God can. And He does through Christ. Stop trying by your own efforts alone and throw yourself on the merits of Christ's holiness. Stop looking at yourself and look to Christ. Robert Murray McShane, many of you know this quote, said this, For every look you take at yourself, take ten looks on Christ. Perhaps the reason maybe we didn't conform to God's holiness as much as we like to in 2022 is because we've been trying too much by our own merits, because we look too much at ourselves and not enough at the Savior who loved you and, and bled for you and died for you. Think less of yourself and think much of Christ. This holiness and perfection that God requires has been provided by God. What he requires, he provides. And he has provided this holiness that is needed through his son, whose life and death made the way for those that the father chose before the foundation of the world to be holy. What amazing grace 
It all goes back to your calling, beloved. His choice and predestining of you. That's what he says. We are children of obedience. Verse 14. Not because we made ourselves that way, but because God did. Because God has. You obey Him. You are set apart and made holy because you are His child. You obey Him because you are His child. It is important that we understand this. That we grasp this. Listen to me. You are not His child because you obey. You are God's You obey because you are his child. Let me say that again. You are not his child because you obey. You obey because you are his child. If it were the first way to say that you are his child because you obey, that is legalistic. That puts all the responsibility of maintaining your sonship, your adoption, and what God thinks of you on yourself. What a crushing burden. If it were up to you and I to maintain our adoption, we would lose it. Your adoption in being God's child is not contingent on how well you perform in obedience. Our obedience ebbs and flows. And if we were honest, we might dare to admit that we are more disobedient than we are obedient. But that doesn't change the Father's adoption and calling of you, beloved, because Jesus Christ, the righteous, in your place, perfectly obeyed, was perfectly obedient, perfectly holy, holy, so that by repentance and faith in Christ, you're adopted into God's family. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible. What marvelous grace. What earthly father in his right mind would ever say to his child who has disobeyed him, you are my child no more. No father would. Beloved, so it is with our perfect heavenly father. What he has set in place before the foundation of the world cannot be changed. What a smashing blow to legalism. We are not his children because we obey. We obey because we are his children. To the Jews who did everything to be holy, Peter shows them with the word that it is not themselves that make themselves holy, but God who has mercy God says, you shall be holy because I am holy. Not because of anything you do, but because of who I am. Those who belong to me shall be like me because I will make them that way. It all goes back to God's choice and his calling of you. Ephesians Chapter 1, read some familiar words to you. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What? That we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glory and his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. He chose us. It it all goes back to the calling. Yes, we are responsible with pursuing holiness by being obedient to God and His Word. Yes, God is the standard. Yes, we are to not be conformed by what we once were, but to be continually conformed into the image of Christ. But it is also God's sovereignty because He chose you. He predestined you to be holy and blameless before Him. What amazing grace, is it not? What marvelous mercy the Savior has lavished us with. That when one day when we stand before the great throne and we give an account, it is not your holiness that will count towards you, but it is Christ's. Christ is there. So how do you reconcile both of those truths? Us being responsible for our holiness, yet it's all according to God's plan and his sovereignty. I don't know. I don't know. And when you figure it out, please let me know. But to illustrate that, I think Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 is a good help. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 Paul says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There it is again, man's responsibility and God's sovereignty, though we are responsible to pursue holiness to not be conformed and made like what we once were, but to be made more like Christ. It is all God. It is him who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The work he started in you, he will complete. And on that great day when we see him, we shall be like him. The soul is the face on which God's image is stamped. And holiness is the beauty of this face. You're holy because God has stamped you with his holiness. Not by anything you've done, but according to God's great and marvelous mercy. May God continue to make his bride holy for his glory in 2023. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we are just in awe of your word this morning. What a heavy topic, massive topic to try to grasp. Father, we uh, cannot express how much we love you, how much we're thankful for Christ and what he has done for us. Though you require us to be holy, though you are the standard, and though we are responsible, God, it is it is you who makes us holy. We're holy because you've adopted us, because you've chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in Christ. My word, Father, help us grasp the gravity of those truths. May 2023 be a year that we are more and more every day pursuing that holiness and being conformed more and more into the image of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is only done by him and through him. So, Father, help us. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.